Hi, I'm Barb Robitaille. I invite you to join me in the radical act of getting quiet. Meister Eckhart says it best for me. There is a place in the soul that neither time nor space nor created thing can touch. I love that line. There is a place in the soul that neither time nor space nor created thing can touch. You know, we hear a lot about being your best self or being you in the world. And I want to talk about that because this is what I feel Meister Eckhart was saying. It's about you being in the world, being you in the world. And I consider being you in the world to be the biggest, most powerful statement or act of resistance that we can bring to our lives and our culture. And in order to be in that deeper place and bring that part of yourself to the world, You have to get quiet. And this idea, this practice of getting quiet then, becomes a radical idea. You have to get quiet to find your connection to your genuine self. And finding yourself becomes a powerful act of resistance. We get bombarded with messages like, oh, just be you, just be your genuine self. We hear it over and over and over again, and we get it already. We get the idea. And yet it's a whole other journey to bring it inside, to bring it in, to bring it into the heart level. Because when we listen in that deep place, we sink into stillness, into presence. That's what I'm talking about. And it's in this frame of reference then that it becomes a radical act to be quiet, to get quiet in a busy world. Because no matter what we think when we hear those cheerleaders and, and they're saying, you know, be you, be genuine, be your best self, And by the way, I'm all for it. And my clients have certainly heard the same thing from me. But here's the thing. It has to be from this deep inner place. That deep inner place where we meet the divine within. Otherwise, we get wrapped up in notions that being your best self must mean that we have to comply with all the ideas from the outside world of what is, in our culture, what it means to be our best self. And that's a lot of things. You need to be successful. You've got to look a certain way, dress a certain way, act a certain way. Things and ways of being that most likely aren't genuine to who you really are deep down inside. And they also foster in us a sense that we are somehow broken, that we need fixing. 
And so we hop on the cultural merry-go-round of self-improvement in the guise of thinking we're on the path of being our best selves, genuine and authentic. To borrow a phrase from my three-year-old grandson, I think not. I've been spending a lot of time thinking back on my 60-plus years of breathing into my life, and I'm remembering moments from out of the blue that opened up that place Meister Eckhart refers to, alongside the many other times when I knew I was at the crossroads dance. Years ago, I was driving back from the beach. My four-year-old son, from his Fisher-Price car seat in the back of our Ford wagon, said to his older sister, You know, Becca, you have a piece of God inside you. And he stopped and put his thumb back in. A few moments later, the thumb pops out. And he says, And you know what, Becca? Everyone has a piece of God inside them, even people who do bad things. Becca's eyes are rolling. And you know what else, Becca? If you took your piece of God out, and I took my piece of God out, and everybody took their piece of God out, then you'd be whole. Well, when I heard that coming from the back seat, I pulled the car to the side of the road, and from the rearview mirror, I stared in wonder at this child of mine. I still stare in wonder of my children, of life, of the great mysteries we're all a part of. But this moment struck me, and has stayed with me when I was listening to my young child coming out with this deep nugget of wisdom. A Meister Eckhart moment, just out of the blue. When I got home, I called a friend and told him this story. He was a priest, and he said to me, he said, Barb, he said, do you realize there are people in seminary for 10 years that haven't even touched this piece of truth? And we laughed. And yet, here it was, out of the mouth of a four-year-old. It was something. And it stayed with me all these years later. Now, gosh, he's 33. And anyway, that's what happens sometimes. Those nuggets fall at times when we've needed them most, knowingly or not. I've accepted, you know, that we learn as we go, right? We learn as we go. And one way to learn is to get quiet. To better hear myself, I've adopted a habit that I've been working with over the years that I share with clients. I intentionally take the time to be quiet. I make space to become quiet, to still the chatter in my mind. Sometimes with a very, very long exhale. I make a point of being alone with myself and look at my feelings that surface when I sink into that quiet place that carry the judgment with them. Because usually that will come up when we are alone with ourselves, which is why we so often avoid getting quiet. We'd rather clean the refrigerator, fold the laundry, weed the garden, anything, than contemplate being quiet. We don't want to face ourselves, because the inner critic sweeps in and holds court, stirring up all sorts of bits that we just, we don't want to look at. We just don't want to look at them. 
feelings we don't want to feel. What a bad idea. Who knows what could happen? The thing is, it's exactly what needs to happen. I have learned that wearing the lens of self-compassion, of being the sacred observer of our lives, opens a portal into a place of self-forgiveness. And that's where the real change that we need in the world needs to happen. It needs to happen deep inside ourself, ourselves. We need to forgive ourselves. If I hold the lens of self-compassion, it allows me the ability to sit with how I'm feeling, to tolerate feeling uncomfortable as a key piece. Shifting my perspective away from judgment to acceptance to forgiveness. When I can do that, I feel myself coming out of a reactive energy mode that's rooted in fear, which is so much of what we are experiencing now in the world. And this shift away from reactive mode to a more fluent, responsive energy or mode that is rooted in love opens us to living with more ease in the midst of the madness and to bringing more ease to the world. That's the first step in adopting the practice of getting quiet, taking a pause to contemplate, allowing whatever is there to be there, knowing that it's going to be uncomfortable and yet tolerating that uncomfortableness. Then asking questions. What is it that got me up to 90? To sit with it long enough to be able to look underneath the feeling and hear the message that that feeling is bringing to us. It can be about a situation of dealing with envy, about a relationship issue with someone. It could be just about an experience that's all my own. But if we can discern with kindness in getting quiet so that we can listen to and hear ourselves, our heart's wisdom, and in that place, in that quiet place, we can reach a deeper level of forgiveness and letting go. We set out on a path of embracing a responsive energy we bring to the world and to borrow the wisdom of a four-year-old, becoming whole. I'm going to leave you with that thought for a quiet moment. I'll be right back. talk about strategies and practices that can support you getting quiet. First of all, set the intention to get quiet every day. Make a commitment to getting quiet and let it become a priority in your daily life. 
And what does getting quiet look like? First of all, it doesn't have to be sitting in the lotus position for 45 minutes or two 20-minute sits. Everyone is different. So if one of those options is a sustainable fit for you, then by all means do it. There's not a one-size-fits-all option here. For me, I tend to vary things a bit. Maybe it's the Gemini in me. I've found that I feel pressure when I try to set a rigid schedule. I, I just personally, I just have an allergic reaction to having a box to conform to. But I also have a life that offers a lot of time. I set my own schedule. For those who are working in the nine-to-five world, having set times to get quiet may work best. So you, you have to play around a little bit. You have to experiment to find what works best for you. For me, I find that quiet place with a cup of tea, alone, my eyes closed. I can bring myself to that sweet spot within. Holding the teacup grounds me and is almost a mantra. And then there are other times I will simply sit still, feet on the floor, timer set from anywhere of 15 to 30 minutes. I also go outside. Take yourself outside. Walking is another wonderful option. I choose to walk around a path that circles the block where I live. And I walked at a high school track when I lived in the city. And I did this because I could completely relax as far as traffic, other people, bikes, needing to watch my step because the surface of the track was flat and level. I could find my groove with ease. You might also find a trail to walk. At some point along the way, maybe sit down with your back resting against a tree. Just breathe. Rest. And grab moments also during your day to simply call yourself home. I often suggest clients have an icon on their desk, in their car, and in their pocket. If you're sitting at a desk, look out the window at a specific tree or something steady on the horizon that you can rest your gaze on, or a picture on your desk that you've intentionally chosen as a reminder to bring yourself to center, even if only for 30 seconds. Have something similar in your car. So when you feel yourself ramping up in the traffic, allow yourself to give a quick glance at an image on your dashboard or a stone or crystal hung from your rear view mirror. Play soothing music and carry a heart stone in your pocket so that you can hold it, you can reach in and hold on to it whenever you need to ground and calm yourself to remind you of love. Whatever you choose to do, keep it simple. Otherwise, it won't be sustainable. And that's what we're looking for. We want this practice of getting quiet to anchor into the daily rhythm of our life. Keep it simple. Knowing that simple doesn't always translate to easy. I think we've been conditioned to think that we have to supersize everything. Lots of special effects and bells and whistles. So, When we're considering new habits to support our ways of being and doing in the world, we tend to overlook the simple approach, a quiet approach. To wrap things up, 
practice intentionally creating time to get quiet. Spend some time with yourself. You might discover a long-lost friend. If you want to get quiet together, I'm offering another retreat where I live here in Seabrook, Washington. We can get quiet together as we cross the threshold into 2024. We can also sing, dance, and whatever else as we follow the thread of being together at the ocean's edge. Anything could happen. I do know that a bit of magic will definitely happen. You can visit my website, talkwithbarb.com, for more information. I'd love to see you there. Oh, and also, if you visit my offerings page, you'll see I'm looking for six women for six months to join me on an inner pilgrimage into presence, deepening our connection to self and the divine. Check it out at talkwithbarb.com. Hey, thanks for listening. I'll be back. And until next time, live and lead from love.